0: Hello, welcome to our next Light for Life study and we're looking at baptism and the Lord's Supper. We're going through our statement of faith and looking at the Bible's teaching on the subjects contained there. So our statement of faith regarding the subject states this, baptism and the Lord's Supper have been given to the churches by Christ as visible signs of the Gospel baptism is a symbol of union with Christ and entry into his church but does not impart spiritual life. The Lord's Supper is a commemoration of Christ's sacrifice offered once for all and involves no change in the bread and wine. All its blessings are received by faith. Mandy's now going to read a Bible text.
1: The first reading is from Matthew 26 starting at verse 17. On the first day of the festival of unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, where do you want us to make preparations for you to eat the Passover? He replied, go into the city to a certain man and tell him, the teacher says, my appointed time is near. I'm going to celebrate the Passover with my disciples at your house. So the disciples did as Jesus had directed them and prepared the Passover. When evening came, Jesus was reclining at the table with the twelve. And while they were eating, he said, Truly I tell you, one of you will betray me. They were very sad and began to say to him, one after the other, Surely you don't mean me, Lord. Jesus replied, The one who has dipped his hand into the bowl with me will betray me. The Son of Man will go just as it is written about him. But woe to that man who betrays the Son of Man. It would be better for him if he had not been born. Then Judas, the one who would betray him, said, Surely you don't mean me, Rabbi. Jesus answered, You have said so. While they were eating, Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat, this is my body. Then he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink from this fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. When they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. And now turning to Matthew 28 and verse 18. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptising them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you and surely I am with you always, to the very end of the age.
0: Now we might rightly see a danger in too much symbolism and traditional practices, things that can easily become empty rites and performances. However, throughout the Bible there are verbal pictures and visual symbols that are clearly used by God to convey reminders and teaching. And when we come to the New Testament and the New Covenant era we see that the Lord Jesus, the head of his church, has given us just two practices, two symbolic ordinances that we need to take seriously from his gracious heart. Martin Luther referred to them as the bath and the bread, baptism and the Lord's Supper. Now when Jesus began his public ministry at around 30 years of age he went to be baptised and it was clearly approved by God. His father in Matthew chapter 3 13 to 17 we read then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John but John tried to deter him saying I need to be baptized by you and do you come to me Jesus replied let it be so now for it is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness then John consented as soon as Jesus was baptized he went up out of the water At that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Now, the Lord wasn't baptised for all the same reasons that were to be baptised. Baptism, for us, has the element of expressing repentance and commitment. Jesus wasn't repenting of any sin. He was sinless but he was committing himself to the plan to save us. And Jesus clearly taught his disciples to baptise the people that became his followers. In John chapter 3 verse 22, After this Jesus and his disciples went out into the Judean countryside where he spent some time with them and baptised. John 4 verse 1 to 2, Now Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that he was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John. Although in fact, it was not Jesus who baptized, but his disciples. So we have this, and also there's no way that we can escape the clear command of Jesus to spread the gospel and to baptize those who become his disciples. At the end of Matthew's gospel, chapter 28, verse 19, we hear the command, Therefore go. Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Then in Mark chapter 16, verse 15, Jesus said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will, will be condemned. When the Holy Spirit baptized the Church of Pentecost, the new Christians were given water baptism. Acts 2.41 Those who accepted his message were baptised and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. So clearly baptism is important. And unless we are like the newly converted man on the cross next to Jesus, a man who believed in his dying hours with no chance to do anything else, unless we cannot be baptised, we need to see baptism as where our foot lands when we take that step of faith in becoming Christian the Lord Jesus also gave us a way to remember him the Lord's Supper Luke's Gospel 22 verse 19 and he took bread gave thanks and broke it and gave it to them saying this is my body given for you do this in remembrance of me in the same way after the supper he took the cup saying this cup is the new covenant in my blood which is poured out for you it's interesting that Luke records a special emphasis in the Greek as Jesus says do this in remembrance of me do this here means a commitment to a long-term way of doing something the emphasis is such that it's something to keep on as a lifestyle a habit Now the Apostle Paul had been told by Jesus directly about the Lord's Supper and the clear implication is that it it is something to be practiced regularly by the churches. For example, 1 Corinthians 11, verse 23, Paul says, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So, we can see that the Lord has given us two simple ways of remembering him and understanding the gospel. One is the way we came in a single event, baptism. The other is the way we go on, something repeated until the Lord returns. Baptism is a visual act which speaks of our repentance and faith in Jesus. We act out what we are believing that Jesus did for us, that he died, was buried and rose again. At the same time, we act out what God has done in us. We died to our old ways, that is now buried. Jesus, having paid for our guilt, we rise out of the water with a symbol of cleansing to live a new life. The Lord's Supper is a memory aid too, to help us to remember Jesus who died for us, his physical sufferings as a human on our behalf, enduring the divine wrath for our sins. As we take the bread and the wine, representing his body and his blood poured out for us, we are not only remembering an historical event, but we are In a sense, acting out our ongoing reliance on Jesus. Like our food and our drink, we need him. We are taking into ourselves symbols of Jesus. Eating, feeding, relying, personally trusting, intimately absorbing his help, his salvation. It's a dramatic picture of faith in Jesus to save us and to sustain us. And we do it with Jesus' return in mind. Until then... We eat with an unseen guest amongst us. One day we will meet face to face. Wayne Grudem asks, what makes a church a church? And he continues, there are two traditional marks. The first is correct, sound in gospel and doctrine, preaching from the Bible. The second mark of a true church is the correct administration of the sacraments or ordinances, which are baptism. And the Lord's Supper. Baptism is a means for admitting individuals into church membership and partaking of the Lord's Supper is a way in which those members continue to show their good standing within the church body. Bruce Milne, another theologian, points out that mission is another mark of a a true church, as a church which neither preaches the gospel nor experiences a burden for the moral and spiritual welfare of those around its doors does not express Concern for the poor and needy wherever they are found, has lost its title to authenticity and is living in denial of its Lord. So if we want to be a true church, we need to baptise and to remember the Lord with his supper. Where are we going to get new Christians to baptise? We need to preach the pure gospel faithfully. How are we to be kept gospel focused? By remembering the Lord as he told us to. And if we think about it, baptism and the Lord's Supper are activities that a true church should do. But they are also a consequence of a body of believers being a true church. So when will we baptise people? When people become Christians. How do people become Christians? When we do mission. Preaching the gospel locally. Supporting mission elsewhere. These are essential things. And baptism is a result of mission. If we're preaching the gospel, caring for people, praying for people, gossiping the gospel, if we are united in fellowship love, then we're more likely to have baptisms to do. And there's nothing more that encourages us to carry on sharing the gospel than seeing people testify and be baptized and come into the pastoral care and love of a church. The Lord's Supper is something that we should do as a true church. But if we're preaching the gospel and being taught Christ-centered doctrine, If we are confessing our sins before the Lord and if we are being thankful for God's amazing grace we will want to remember the Lord's death for us and we will want to meditate on what he did for us on the cross and that's what we do in the Lord's Supper. And when we hold the Lord's Supper we find that our hearts are refocused on the heart of our our salvation, on amazing grace. We are reminded that our sins are forgiven at such a cost. And we're refreshed in our hunger to know the Lord and to serve him, to tell others. And the Lord's Supper becomes even more precious to us. So baptism and the Lord's Supper are ordinances that we are instructed to do. But they are also ways that God ministers his grace to us. As we do them with believing hearts rather than empty duty, they teach us and feed our souls. In themselves they are simple actions. There's no magic in the actions or in the bread and wine. There's no mystical powers going on. But as we obey the Lord in these actions, and as we do them with true faith in him, God ministers his grace to our hearts, and we are spiritually fed and encouraged. They are amongst God's means of grace to us. Now, with faith, baptism and the Lord's Supper are full of blessing. Baptism, the Lord's Supper, are practices with ongoing effects. In fact, their real value is in the ongoing element, the impact on our lives following the event. So once you're baptised, you are forever a baptised believer, with all the implications of that. Whether you're a six-month baptizee or a 60-year baptizee, and whether you're at home or work or in school or university, on holiday or working hard, you are a baptized believer. You have made your stand, and you need to keep that stand as a witnessing, obedient, faithful follower of Jesus. We need to keep in mind our baptism more than we often do. Just like a couple's marriage vows, we need to see them not as just vague things we said 10, 20, 30 years ago, but as current commitments that are shaping our lives in the present. And in a similar way, baptism we need to see that as something which is is shaping our lives in the present you could be a believer who was baptized but who isn't following up on the public commitment you made in your baptism you said yes i will but now matthew 21 jesus tells a little parable what do you think there was a man who had two sons he went to the first son and said Son, go and work today in the vineyard. I will not, he answered. But later he changed his mind and went. Then the father went to the other son and said the same thing. He answered, I will, sir. But he did not go. Which of the two did what his father wanted? The first, they answered. Now, in a similar way with the Lord's Supper, it's far more than just doing the right thing every week or month or however often we practice it. The Lord's Supper, if we understand it rightly, is a practice with ongoing effects, into the week, into the month ahead. In fact, the real value is in the ongoing element, the impact on our lives following. The Apostle Paul wrote his famous passage in 1 Corinthians about the Lord's Supper. And he wrote it to actually correct a way of doing the right thing in a wrong way. Because it was having no good impact on the lives of some of the congregation. In 1 Corinthians 11, verse 20, he writes, So then, when you come together, it is not the Lord's Supper you eat. For when you are eating, some of you go ahead with your own private suppers. As a result, one person remains hungry and another gets drunk. Don't you have homes to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God by humiliating those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you? Certainly not in this matter. Those people rebuked here in this passage might say that they had remembered the Lord as he told them to. But what they did had no impact on their lives. It didn't move them to love the Lord more. Why? Clearly they didn't love the Lord's church and their despised fellow believers. So baptism and the Lord's Supper are not simply about doing the right thing and ticking the box and moving on regardless. They are about points in our lives where we pause, we take stock, we make or we renew our commitments, we refresh our love and we go forward to change and be shaped by the gospel. It's about doing the right thing for the right reason and being changed in the process. So the methodology, exactly how we actually baptise or keep the Lord's Supper, is not as important as doing it with the right heart and attitude and with faith. Now, method. The way of baptism and the lord's supper sometimes these can be controversial issues and different churches different denominations have different practices but basically here we're stating where as new evangelical church and Firmed community church where as a leadership uh, the position that we hold and things that the way that we practice these these ordinances so we practice believers baptism now that means that when people profess faith in Jesus Christ, we will baptise them. It's rather obvious that we wouldn't baptise someone who said they did not believe in him. But then it also seems obvious that those to be baptised should be also making a clear profession of faith. The baptism of professing believers is clear and commanded. Repent, and repent is, if you like, the the, the flip side of believe, because as we repent of our sins, we're obviously turning from something to something and returning to turning to the Lord to faith in him repent and be baptized in Acts chapter 2 verse 38 Peter replies to the to the crowds repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit and then verse 41 those who accepted his message they obviously believed they repented, they believed, were baptised. And about 3,000 were added to the number that day. In Acts chapter 8 verse 12 uh, uh, Samaria, But when people believed Philip as, they, he, as he proclaimed the good news of the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptised, both men and women. So, baptism followed belief. Now, the way we baptise believers is immersion of some kind depending on the size and depth of the pool we have available or the health and the abilities of the person being baptized. And again the exact position and method is not the most important thing but there is a clear picture language going on here as a person is is covered by water and then emerges from the water. Romans 6 verse 3 a famous passage that is often read at uh, baptism services. Or don't you know that All of us who were baptised into Christ Jesus were baptised into his death. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we, we too may live a new life. Now baptism is a serious step. In our culture we can lose something of the seriousness of the act of baptism. We still have a vague sense of being a traditionally Christian country, and baptism is a bit weirder than than christening, but it's what some Christians do, and there's often tea and cake after the service. But when the early Christians were baptised, it marked one and all a clear break with the pagan culture around them, and it was a burning of bridges, and it opened up a real likelihood of persecution. In different parts of the world and at different times in history, it always has. We think of a Muslim's conversion to Christ, Baptism, and then as we hear stories of those folk being threatened with death, even by their own family. Baptism is a serious step. Baptism is a powerful picture. Before going into the water, you picture the, the pre-conversion person. As you go, then go into the water and then emerge, coming out of the water, you are a picture that you're not the same person, you are now Christ's woman or you are Christ's man. And, and, and Paul continues the, the baptism imagery in Romans 6 and verse 9. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus much powerful symbolism in the going into the water being buried and then coming out of the water now what about the Lord's Supper well we practice practice an open table in that we don't put any physical restriction or unusual timings to keep non-members away but we do express the need for all people present to examine their hearts and we advise non-Christians or Christians who are in some way deliberately holding on to sin to allow that the bread and the wine to pass until those issues are sorted between them and god both baptism and the lord's supper have been affected by a tendency for churches down the years to become formal and institutionalized the lord's supper for example has moved away from being part of an extended meal time fellowship together to a more formal choreographed ceremony bolted on to the end of a service and it's good to keep re-examining our practices in the light of biblical teaching and example however practical question personal question are you baptized whether you're a new convert or for some reason it's been missed or avoided let me urge you to consider the lord's example and teaching for his followers to be baptized is the lord's supper or communion a priority for you or has it fallen by the wayside in your christian life again Let me urge you to see this simple act as an instruction from your lovely Lord and part of the way that you're blessed by him. And it's the way that he helps us to keep our hearts focused on the very heart of the Christian faith. Maybe we need to think about preparing our hearts more before we come to a communion service or service where we celebrate the Lord's Supper spend more time in preparation for that confessing our sins thinking about our own hearts before God now if you have any questions then please feel free to contact the church leaders in confidence and as churches let's keep very dear the marks these marks of a true church correct teaching and mission and also faithful practice of baptism and the Lord's Supper Heavenly Father, please help us to take our baptism profession and commitments seriously. And Lord, help us, Lord, to cherish what you did for us as we remember Jesus in the way He asked us to. Lord, we ask that you would help these truths from your word to shape our thinking, our attitudes, and our behavior. And